Hello, and welcome to the IP Podcast, brought to you by Danes, one of Europe's leading firms of specialist patent and trademark attorneys. The IP Podcast is all about intellectual property and how IP can add significant value to startups and SMEs, particularly when they're looking to grow and finance that growth. So if your company is investing in patents or trademarks, or considering doing so, then this podcast is for you. We'd love to hear from you on what areas of IP are important to your business. So please email us at info at and we'll aim to cover these issues in a future podcast. Also, if you do enjoy this podcast, please remember to subscribe for future episodes. Hi there, my name is Ollie Bonser and welcome to this episode of the IP Podcast. Today, I'm joined again by Dr. Mark Bell, one of our patent attorneys here at Danes. Hi, Mark. Hi, Ollie. Hi, everyone. So in the last podcast, we discussed various issues surrounding confidentiality and the importance of either filing a patent application while the idea remains a secret and only discussing your idea with certain third parties if they have signed an NDA beforehand. Today, we're going to be looking at the actual ownership of the invention and the intellectual property rights, as it might not always be straightforward as it seems. In fact, it's important to note that the inventor of an invention and the owner of an invention can, in fact, be two entirely separate legal entities. But first and most obvious question, Mark, who owns the idea or invention? Surely it's the person who comes up with the idea. Yes, generally for all types of IP, the first owner is the inventor, the creator, the designer of the work that has been developed. However, the situation in which an IP right has been created can mean that the ownership of that right may automatically pass to some other entity, another person, another company. So, for example, ownership of an invention will generally pass automatically to an employer if an employee creates it as part of their normal employment duties. In other situations, for other IP rights, agreements such as contracts and assignments can also mean that the rights pass to someone other than the original creator of the work. We actually saw a genuine and very interesting inquiry on this topic recently. An undergraduate was getting some work experience at quite a large company, and they had come up with an idea and an invention, which he had discussed with the company, and the company then took his idea and applied for a patent application, which he later found out about. So he was just an undergraduate getting some work experience. What's the situation here? Again, the short answer is that it will depend Um, It will very much turn on the facts of the matter. So here, the things that we're looking for are, you know, was the student employed by the company? What were his duties? And was the invention developed as part of those duties? If he wasn't an employee, then, you know, was there another agreement such as a contract signed that detailed how any IP rights he developed while he was doing his work experience, how those rights would be owned? So, for example, if the student on his work experience wasn't expected to make any inventions, but rather just straighten paper clips or bake cups of tea, but then he actually, you know, spotted an opportunity and saw how things were doing and he developed an invention that was actually useful and as you say they filed a patent application for it so they obviously saw some value in in the invention there may be an argument that he can stake a claim to ownership of that invention however there's only probably a limited set of circumstances that would result in this and as i said it will very much depend on the facts of the situation you know in which country this went on that sort of thing 
If the rights of an invention pass automatically to an employer, does that mean that employee is not rewarded for their contribution? Generally speaking, no, unfortunately. Most of the time, employees are expected to be coming up with inventions. So that's just part of their job for which they're paid their salary. However, our clients, a number of our clients, recognize the importance of innovation. And so they implement an innovation or invention bonus scheme where they would reward their employees whenever a patent application is filed, where that employee is named as an inventor. Very occasionally, when an invention has provided, and the legal term that's used for it is an outstanding benefit to a company, for example, a product that has resulted in very large profits, and here we're generally talking millions, an inventor may be entitled to claim appropriate compensation from their employer that recognises that really important contribution that they have made. And just last year, there was a case in the UK Supreme Court that clarified the conditions regarding when and how an employee should be compensated in this way. And is it the case that in every country, ownership passes to the employer? Every country is different. So most of what we've discussed applies primarily to the UK, but a number of other countries handle things in a similar way. In the US, for example, inventions don't pass automatically from employees to employers, but most of the time an employee will be under a contractual obligation to assign their rights to ownership of an invention to their employer. So the rights will pass to their employer anyway. Okay. So, Mark, I know that you do a significant amount of work for OUI, which is the Tech Transfer Office of the University of Oxford, and also with a number of their spin-outs. What's the situation with IPR ownership while the inventors are at university and then when they're spun out to become independent businesses? Does the ownership of the IP rights change hands when the companies are spun out? And again, is this the same in every country? Yeah, that's a good question because not everyone who's involved in a a university situation will necessarily be a direct employee of the university. The situation will vary from university to university, from spin-out company to spin-out company and from country to country. So there won't be one size fits all for this. Most universities, however, and that I've seen in the UK, will have some sort of blanket rule that intellectual property created by people involved in the university, whether they be employees or students, belongs to the university and therefore is available for the tech transfer office to exploit. Then when a spin-out company is created to exploit that technology, ownership of the IP generally doesn't change hands. And so ownership is generally retained by the university. The situation there will be that instead, the tech transfer office will license the rights to the invention to the spin-out. Sometimes that will be with an option to assign, so buy the invention, the, the rights at a later date. And this helps to give the parties flexibility. So it sounds like there are a number of different options and it varies from from university to university. What about when inventors fall out and argue about who owns what or how much input they really had on an idea? 
Again, this is going to be one of those answers where I say it depends. Ultimately, it's a matter of patent law to assess whether someone made a contribution to what we call the inventive concept of the invention. If they've done that, then they can be named as an inventor. Sometimes it's not straightforward to assess this as it really depends on the facts of the situation. So sometimes the person who identified the problem, as well as the person who formulated the solution that resulted in the invention, both of those may be entitled to be named as inventors. Sometimes it may not be the same people as you would list as a contributor on a research paper. So it may not always be immediately obvious who inventors are. So you should, again, check with your patent attorney. Okay. And finally, what is your top tip for identifying and confirming ownership of any intellectual property rights? So as we discussed last time when we were discussing invention capture, I would always recommend that my clients use an invention disclosure form. This helps to detail the contributions that inventors have made to an invention and can thus help to resolve any disputes at a later date. As I mentioned in the previous question, if in doubt, seek professional advice because it may not necessarily be a straightforward assessment or the answer that you would naturally expect. Okay, thanks, Mark. Hopefully that's provided some insight and clarity into ownership issues. But before we go, same as last podcast, Mark, has there been anything recently to have caught your eye in the world of IP technology or innovation worthy of a, uh, a quick mention? Yeah, sure. So something that's actually caught my eye is related to the inventorship and ownership things we've been discussing, and this has been in the news recently, and also concerns another buzz topic of the current time, which is artificial intelligence. And the case that I I was reading about just recently was where an invention had been developed by an artificial intelligence. In this instance, they called it Dabus, where this computer, I think it was actually a network of computers that was programmed with this web of neural networks, came up with this invention and it was a bit of a test case where they filed a patent application for that and they named this artificial intelligence so they named Dabas as the inventor they filed this patent application at the European Patent Office the UK Patent Office and the US Patent Office and just recently the US Patent Office refused to name this Dabas entity as an inventor following the similar decisions that the European and UK offices had made, essentially because they said that inventors can only be human people and this Dabas isn't human. However, this could be an instance of quite a lot of times we see the law needs to catch up with the technology. And that's definitely been the case with how do you patent, say, artificial intelligence. So it's very much watch this space. And as AI develops further and comes up with more and more inventions, the law may change in future to recognize them as inventors, but not at the present time. Okay. Thanks for your time and insight today, Mark. Hopefully our listeners will have found it both interesting and useful. Thank you. I certainly hope so. But if anyone wants to contact me directly to discuss anything related to these topics in the podcast or anything IP related, please feel free to email me at mbell, M-B-E-L-L, at danes, that's D-E-H-N-S dot com.
Thanks, Mark. Listeners can also find out about other ways to contact us shortly after this podcast ends. But in the meantime, I hope everyone can join us for the next episode when we'll be looking in detail at the patent application process. So until then, goodbye. Thanks, Ollie, and bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of the IP Podcast, brought to you by Danes. If you'd like to contact us about any IP-related issues, please email us at info at danes.com or contact us via LinkedIn, Twitter or Facebook or visit our website danes.com. In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already.